week. Turn your Bibles with me today, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read to you a couple, a couple different passages, and uh, we're going to just jump right into this thing. Um, and last week, if you were not here, go back and watch the message from last week. We had a guest speaker from Uganda. Um, for those that were here, I'm sure your faith was encouraged and stirred. I know mine was. And, uh, and if you missed that, man, go back to our website and catch that, and uh, just have your faith stirred up uh, just a little bit. And, uh, you know, there's one thing to talk about faith. It's another thing to have something imparted into you. And I believe that last week there was a, a faith impartation that took place here at our ch- church. After we read Hebrews 11, uh, we are going to go to Matthew chapter 14. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made from the things that are visible. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, to which he was commended as righteousness. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through faith, uh, through this, his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6, what pleases God? And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Whoever should draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. For the next several verses, the Bible goes on and begins to talk about some specific people. And begins to talk about how Noah, because of his faith, come on, how many guys know the story of Noah? Come on, he built it. An ark, come on, some great faith. Begins to talk about Abraham, and it talks about Isaac, and it talks about Jacob. It it talks about a woman named Sarah, who who by her faith was able to conceive a, a baby in her old age. And it begins to list off all these people that because of faith, they were able to do some pretty remarkable things. For time's sake, we're not going to read that now, but as we go through our our series on faith, we'll begin to look at some of their lives a little more closely, but I want to encourage you later to go on and begin to read those things and see what took place because of faith. But go with me to verse 29 of Hebrews 11. It says this, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. All of this through faith. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, of David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put back the, uh, brought back the uh, women, brought back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again for a better life. Verse 36, others suffered mocking and flogging, which is beating or whipping, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, dear Jesus, all because of faith. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, and whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, 
did not receive what was promised. Verse 40, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What is the last verse of chapter 11 saying? It's saying this, the story is not completed yet. All of these people did this through faith, but we get to verse 40, it says, guess what? There's still a story by you to be told. What is your faith going to write in the pages of time? Go with me, it's not going to be on the screens, but this just came to go to me, verse 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are the witnesses? All the people we just read about that with great faith did something. Wow. Since we're surrounded by this great a cloud of witnesses, those that stop the mouths of lions, those that raise the dead, what are we to do? Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The founder and perfecter of our faith. What is the Bible telling us today? The Bible is saying, wow, look at all these great people of faith. But guess what? The story's not completed yet. There is a life of faith for you and I to live. There is something great for you and I to obtain and to lay hold of. If you believe that, say amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. I'm excited. Is anybody else excited? This is not, you know, I met with somebody one time after church, and it was their first time here, and I said, how'd you like it? And they said, man, we enjoyed it, but, but we don't think you have to be so happy. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> this is who I am. And they said, you know, and they were just like, you know, I don't really think you have to be, you know, that encouraging and so happy. And I was looking, I'm like, are you serious right now? I said, first of all, this is not, this is not me putting on a show of happiness. I am like this all the time. Ask my wife. It bothers her sometimes, <laughs> okay? And so if you're here for the first time, this is who I am. If you don't like it, get saved. Matthew chapter 14. That last part was a joke. Get over it. Although if you do need to get saved, this is a great place to do that. Matthew chapter 14, going to start in verse 22. And this is, happens right after what, what we see in Scripture as the feeding of the 5,000, a pretty miraculous story. That was so little, they were able to feed so many. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, right after that, the Bible says immediately right after that, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Everybody say other side. side. That wasn't everybody. Come on, everybody say other side. side. While he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat with all the disciples by this time was a long way. From land. Listen to the next verse. Beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. You ever felt like life was like that for you? And then the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, Ah! It's a ghost. Got to read it in context. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Oh, you hear that? Come on, somebody. I had that plan. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter's thinking, oh, crud. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of great faith. No, no, I'm sorry. Oh, you of miraculous faith. No. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is just amazing. Lord, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, God, you would teach us, that, God, you would encourage us, and, God, you would challenge us in this place. That, God, when we leave this place today, we would not leave the same, but we would leave, Lord God, going from faith to faith in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. As we continue on in our faith series, I want to just give you a few definitions here. I'm sure many of us have heard maybe messages on faith, maybe explored and examined that subject on our own, and, and there are so many different definitions out there, but I just want to bring you three of them real quickly here this morning. And the first one is found in Hebrews 11, right there in, in, in the, the, uh, the passage that we read today. It says this, that, that faith is simply this, the substance of things hoped for, the assurance of things not yet seen. Faith is. This, this is what faith is. It's the, the substance of things hoped for and the assurance of, of things not seen. In other words, it's saying this, that even though it is not yet materialized before me, I know that I still possess it. Okay? So the thing that I'm hoping for, the thing that, that, that I need or the thing that I want, even though I, I don't possess it physically yet, by faith I know it's already mine. In other words, it's, it's, it's just a process of time. It's going to happen. Another definition found in dictionary.com, it's this, it's confidence or trust in a person or a thing. Faith, it's confidence or trust in a person or a thing. And in our case, uh, that, that confidence is in, come on, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me just give you my definition of faith. It is simply walking in obedience to what God has told you to do. This is my definition. Just making it real simple. It's simply walking in obedience to that which God has told you to do. In other words, that, that faith is seen when you begin to take the word of God and you begin to apply it to your life and you begin to walk it out. The amount of faith that you have is directly correlated to the amount of this you actually live daily in your life. Not just the, the Bible, though, but, but how many know that he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. That the Holy Spirit will come to you and prompt you in moments and times and speak to you and tell you things to do. And as you hear that, and it's based on Scripture, but as you hear the Holy Spirit speak to you, your faith is seen when you begin to step out and you begin to make that practical and you begin to make that real in your life. It is simply walking in obedience to that which God has told you to do. Faith is a big topic of the Bible, okay? We see it right here in Hebrews 11 that it goes all the way back to Genesis. And it talks about, about Cain and Abel and the sacrifice that they offered. Man, the faith, the faith subject isn't something that's just, just New Testament. The faith subject is something that started all the way at the beginning and carries all the way throughout the Bible. Many different types, or maybe we could say this, levels of faith seen in the Bible. Let me just give you a couple of them. Some of those faith levels are this. One of them is mustard seed faith. 
We see that in, in Matthew 17.20 and Luke 17.6. Mustard seed faith. When Jesus says this, if you just have, have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll be done. Wow. Mustard seed faith. Okay? Anybody ever seen a mustard seed before? Pretty tiny. If you just have really tiny mustard seed faith. We also see this little faith. Where do we see that? We see that in the passage we read today. When Jesus addresses Peter and said, oh, you have little faith. Right here in this passage. Also, we, we see just faith throughout the Bible. Just, just faith. Where do we see that? We see that in Ephesians 2.8, that we're saved by grace through faith. Okay? It's where it all starts. It's impossible for you to, to get saved, but the Bible goes on to say that that faith is not your own. It was given to you by God. But you're saved by his grace through the faith that he supplied to you. So we see faith. We also see in the Bible this thing called great faith. Come on, how many of you guys want great faith? I mean, think of only three of you. All right. Okay. You're just happy with your little life. You know, that's fine. Okay. Think about this for a moment. The Bible talks about great faith. If with mustard seed faith, we can speak to this mountain to move from here to there, what can we do with great faith? Think about that for a moment. Are there different levels of faith? Well, the Bible says this in Romans, that, 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 that we, we need to go from faith to faith. Is there another level of faith for you as a believer? Is there another level of faith for you in here today if you're not a believer? I believe there is. My job over the next several weeks is not so much to lay out the definitions of faith and not to explore all the, all the, all the different levels of faith in the Bible. I believe that I want to do this over the next several weeks is I want to take you from mustard seed faith and I want to get you to this place of great faith. I want to take you to this place where, where, where maybe you're believing for something little over here to by the end of these next four, three, four weeks that, man, you could be standing in faith in the middle of the wind, as we see in Matthew chapter 14, that is contrary to the direction that you're walking, but that you would have such great faith. Because, see, I believe this. I believe that one of the, one of the tragedies of the Christian life is that, is that we, we come to this place of faith. We're saved by grace through faith, and yet we stop there on our faith journey. And we no longer progress and move forward. Instead, our, our life becomes about survival and how we can maintain a Christian life rather than walking out into the deep and exploring greater levels of faith. But when I read my Bible, my Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that we are to walk by faith, not by In other words, that, that every moment of our Christian walk is a step of faith. But yet what happens is, is we get saved and all of a sudden we, we begin to come to church and we learn about all these things we can't do. Oh, I can't sleep with my girlfriend anymore. Oh, I can't get drunk no more. Oh, I can't, can't steal cars no more. Well, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. But, you know, whatever it is. And you, and you think about all these things you can't do. You know? And all of a sudden now your Christian walk becomes like the life of Bubble Boy. You put this bubble around you and you just want to stay saved until Jesus comes back. Hey, you want to go and hang out? No, I better not. Because you might do something wicked and it'll pervert my life. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? We get to this place where you just want to live this, this security. I'll go to church, I'll go to Bible study, and I'll lock myself in my room and read my Bible. I've got to stay holy. I've got to stay pure. Okay? Should you stay holy? Yes. 
Should you live a pure lifestyle? Yes. But let me tell you something. The Christian walk is so much more than just living pure and just living holy and just staying in this little bubble and trying to keep yourself safe. Okay? There is something great for you. There is something God intends for you. But you will never obtain it until you begin to do this little thing called take a step. Hmm. And just begin to walk. In faith. My bubble might pop. I hope it does. I just want to come with a big needle today and pop your bubble. Okay? Because honestly, what it's like is we, we got this new vacation spot that we like. We've only gone there twice, but man, our kids love it. And it's this resort in Palm Springs, and the only time we go is in the summertime because that's when it's the cheapest, and it's like 120 degrees. Praise Jesus. Okay? But it's when it's the cheapest, so we'll go. Okay? And my daughters love it. But I remember the, the, the first day there, man, they have, like, they have like four different pools, and they have water slides and, and all this stuff. It's just a fun place to go. But I remember our first couple days there, my little Faith, uh, she was just, she would look at the water slide, but she was afraid to go down on the water slide. And she would just walk over and just kind of kick around in the kiddie pool, okay? And, but I would see her looking over to her big sister coming down that slide screaming, woo! But she would not say, Faith, you want to go? And she'd be like, uh-uh. <laughs> and she would just wait around in the, in the kiddie side of the pool, okay? Eventually, we got her to go down the slide, and that first time she went down with me, and after that, it was over, man. We couldn't get her off the slide. She realized there was something more to the resort. Come on, somebody. You know, some of us are literally sitting in the kiddie pool right now, and we got our little water wings on and our little floaty around our waist, <laughs> and, and you're ankle deep in the water, just like kicking your friends, like, isn't this fun? And deep down inside, you know, this is the stupidest thing ever. Are you with me today? That is what some of you are like right now in your Christian walk. But God wants to take you, come on, to the water slide. God wants to take you to the deep end of the pool where all the fun is at. Come on now. Okay? If you want to sit around with your little squirt gum with your water wings on, man, you're at the wrong church. Okay? Because God's going to begin to take us places in year three that we have not yet been. And I don't know if this faith series is as much for you as it is for me. Because I can't wait till the 26th and 27th to share with you what God has put on our heart for year three. And let me tell you, it's going to take some faith. Faith, faith, baby. Anyway. I want to take you. I want to take you from that, that kiddie pool, that shallow end. And I want to begin to get you in the deep end of the pool. Come on, where, where life is really happening. Come on, are you with me? It's one thing to dive off the side of the pool in the four-foot water. It's another thing to get up on that high board. Come on. All of us, you know, when we get up on the high board, if you've ever been on one, you look down. It's the scariest thing in the world the first time. But once you jump, you realize, wow, what have I been waiting for? And I believe that's going to be some of you. What have you been waiting for? Your faith is going to increase over the next several weeks because you're missing out on some of the greatest moments of your Christian journey by waiting around in the shallow end. I look at Hebrews 11 today, and as I'm reading it, uh, and this last week, and the, over the last several weeks, I'm studying it, and just looking at it, and meditating on it, and, and I'm blown away when I, when, I, when I read about the people of the Bible. Because I read it, and, and, and yet I come on Sunday mornings, and I say, hey guys, we need to live a, a Bible-based lifestyle. We need to live a Christian life. How do we know what the Christian life is? Right here in the Bible. And as I was reading and meditating on Hebrews 11, I realized, wow, there's a whole life that I have not lived yet. 
And I had to ask myself this question. I had to think, you know, God, if, if, if you were still writing these, these scriptures today through man and, and they were penning my life out, would, I, would, would my life fit into the Bible? Would, would I be able to be tucked into to Hebrews 11 somewhere? I mean, if our life is a life of faith and we're to walk by faith and not by sight, I, I have to read this and wonder, would my life, would my life fit into the Scripture? And then I begin to ask myself, would, would Urban's journey fit into the Scripture? Would the people of Urban, would their life really, if we're to live a life of faith, would it fit into the Scripture? And so I, I started to read through it again. And, and what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of, of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jacob, all these people who through faith conquered kingdoms, wow, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the, the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Tom would film me to tell of Ben Brinkman, who lived in San Diego and went to the beach a lot. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And Katie had faith to pay the cable bill. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again. And others struggled through faith to keep their marriage together. To a better life, others suffered mockings and floggings. And you hearing what I'm saying today? What, what do you have faith for today? God, I just need another hundred bucks to pay my cable bill. If you could just come through this month, cut your cable. What, 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 what's stretching your faith today? Because huh. I gotta have faith, faith, faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? Would your, would your life? And then there was Urban Church. You had a, some people in Washington Elementary School, and they did life together. And come on, how hard is it to do life together in San Diego? I was at the beach yesterday getting a sunburn. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I believe God wants to stretch our faith and take us to a new level. Would your life fit in the pages of the Bible? I believe it's time to move forward. I believe it's time to contend for more. I believe it's time to reach for more because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everything we receive in the Christian walk, everything we do in this life known as a Christian, it's obtained through faith. And if you really, I, I believe that every single one of us has this, has this desire inside of us to get to the next level, to get to the next place. But ladies and gentlemen, it's not going to happen just by wanting it. I'm not going to have time to finish this today. It's not going to happen just by, by wanting it. Let's just look at, at Matthew chapter 14 and, and we'll begin to get into it and then we'll, can, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just pick up where we left off next week. How many give me five more minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Okay. That's so old. I use it all the time. You guys still fall for it. It's great. I love it. Awesome. Matthew chapter 14. Here's a story about a guy named Peter. And some other disciples, and the centerpiece, Jesus. And in this story, 
It, it, it kind of boggles my mind because right before we get to this, this part about them crossing over and struggling in the wind and the waves and having so much fear on their life that they don't even recognize it's Jesus coming to them, right before that, they experience a great miracle. They experience this life-changing event where, where Jesus multiplies the food and feeds 5,000 people. They were there. Not only did they witness it, they were a part of it. And now, not even 24 hours later, here they are in the boat, worried about whether or not they're going to live. Life is kind of like that, though, isn't it? One moment, everything's going great. Man, you're on top of the world. And then like 24 seconds later, (laughs) I'm going to die. I'm never going to make it. I can't pay my cable bill. You feel like life's just as over. Here they are, and they're crossing over. Where are they going? To the other side. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the other side. Why are the disciples in the boat? To get to the other side. But what we begin to discover is that this journey is not so much about getting to the other side in the natural, but it's about getting to the other side of faith. It's about going from mustard seed faith to to great faith. It's something happens in their journey that challenges them and begins to change their perspective. What did the Bible say? The Bible said that when they saw Jesus walking on the water, they're like, ah, it's a ghost. To moments later, their whole paradigm begins to shift. And now in the boat, they're worshiping, saying, wow, you are the son of God. What was taking place? It was a journey internally. It was a journey on the inside. Something was happening inside. It had nothing to do with crossing over in the natural. It had everything to do with them crossing over internally. And ladies and gentlemen, it all started with one step. Faith. It takes one step. Here in the Bible we see that that as they're in the boat, that the wind, the waves coming against them. But this is not the time to step back. Here's what we see every time in the Bible, that when resistance comes against the people of God, whether it's in the Old Testament, as the children of Israel are living in Egypt, they got there because of good things to, to supply for them. But now some 400 years pass, and now they're oppressed. And the Bible says that taskmasters were put over the children of Israel to keep them beat down and keep them, you know, doing the tasks that the Egyptians wanted them to do. But the Bible declares that they continued to grow as a mighty nation. They grew. When resistance comes against us as a believer, ladies and gentlemen, when you find yourself in a challenging time, it's not always just because, oh, the devil's after me. Put up my bubble. Maybe, maybe Jesus wants you to get to the other side of faith. Because it's in those moments of being challenged, that you get stretched and your faith begins to grow. Are you with me today? That your faith continues to grow. So here they are and they're in this position. The Bible says, another translation says that the winds and the waves, they were boisterous. I love that word. I don't know the actual definition, but it just sounds cool. (laughs) Waves are crashing in the boat. The wind's against them. They're fearing for their life. And in the middle of fearing for their life, 
Here's Jesus walking on the water because the boat already left him. How many like to see that one? Come on, somebody. That's what I'm going to replay over in heaven over and over and over again. I want to see that thing. He's walking on water. They see him walking on water, and they're scared. They think it's a ghost. Jesus immediately says, hey, guys, don't be afraid. It's I. His word gave enough peace in the middle of their storm to calm them right where they were at. You know what a great thing to latch on to in the middle of your storm is? The word of God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Romans, but that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're going through that storm, that is not a time to run around crazy, freaking out. That is a time to just, you know what, I, I, need, I need to hear the voice of God. I need to hear Jesus speak. It is I do not be afraid. And that gave Peter enough confidence and enough peace. The storm hadn't changed. Storm was still happening. Waves still crashing into the boat. They're still in the exact same circumstance. The only difference is, is Jesus spoke. You can be going through the exact same thing, freaking out, not even recognizing your Savior. To the minute he speaks, the minute you begin to bring the word of God into your issue, into your trouble, into your circumstance, all of a sudden a calm begins to come. Enough calm for you to begin to pray. Mm -hmm. You ever been to that place before where you, you don't even have enough calm to pray? Right? But the word comes. Speaks into the circumstance. Circumstance is still there. Hasn't changed. But enough calm comes to Peter. And Peter now, doesn't, I, I don't, here's the thing about Peter. I don't know if he said this without thinking. I don't know if he said this sarcastically. Or I don't know if he was praying one of those frantic prayers. <laughs> but he's like, if it's you, tell me to come. This is one of those oh crud moments, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know if it was like, oh yeah, if it's you, <laughs> tell me to come. Come. Oh, crud. <laughs> or if it was like, if it's you, tell me to come. You ever prayed one of those prayers before? Yeah? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then you realize what you prayed? Or maybe you've been in these circumstantial situations before where, where things don't make sense. And you're freaking out, and you're like, God, please just tell me what to do. And then he tells you what to do, and you're like, I can't do that. Right? No, I, I can't step out in faith. This is one of those moments for Peter. He had, he, this is really his first step of faith, was to begin to talk to Jesus. Jesus brings the word, it calms some things, and faith started to rise up. If it's you, tell me to come, come. Ah. And now is his opportunity to actually step out. And now is his opportunity to step out. I have to think about Peter's request. Because the majority of us, let me just speak from my perspective. I would not have prayed that prayer. See, there's really two different ways faith could have played out here. If it was me, I would be like, if it's you, tell us to be over on dry land, sitting around a fire, eating fish right now. Right? That's a good prayer right there. 
if it's really you. I mean, come on, that is our prayers when we're in the middle of trouble. God, if it's really you, let me be in Hawaii sitting on the beach with the sun right now. Right? Because a lot of us want the type of faith that takes us out of the problem rather than the type of faith that carries us through the problem. But the kind of faith that takes us out of the problem is not the kind of faith that grows. The kind of faith that grows is the kind of faith that will keep me in the problem. Hmm. Are you with me today? I can either have the faith, and I'll be honest, that's the way I pray often, but I've been being challenged. Jesus, if it's you, just, you know what, because I'm walking in the same earth everybody else is. You know, I got a house in Vegas that's upside down, like 95% of the rest of the nation. And my prayer has been, God, let it go right side up. But you know what, I'm realizing that, you know, maybe God wants me just to keep trusting him, that he's going to take care of it. That I don't have to rely on the government to give me a loan. I don't have to rely on the bank to restructure things. That I can just say, God, you know what? I know when we bought the home, it was according to your will. So until you tell me different, I'm going to keep walking in faith. Are you with me today? This story is about their faith being stretched. I don't know what caused Peter to say what he said, but he said it. And right after he said it, Jesus says one word. Come. Come. And so in my mind, I picture, I picture Peter. You guys gave me 25 more minutes, so. <laughs> I picture Peter standing on the edge of that, that boat. And I try to put myself in his sandals. <laughs> it's water, water shoes. And I try to put myself standing on the edge of the boat thinking, Wow, this is a big risk. That's a big risk. This is huge. And I try to think about what all my friends in the boat are thinking. Idiot. <laughs> you really, you really screwed up this time. They didn't have life jackets back then. Remember, the, the, the wind and the waves, they're, they're, they're crashing on them. And he's standing on, I try to put myself there and think, my God, all these thoughts, this is a huge risk. Is faith a risk? Absolutely. Stepping out of faith, it's a huge risk. When you said yes to Jesus, for those of you that did to get saved, it was a risk. Is this just emotionalism? Why is the pastor yelling at me? Just to get out of here, yes, I want to get saved but there was a risk. You're, you're thinking through it. You risk so many things. What do you risk? You, you risk your reputation. If I step off right now, one of my friends, they're going to, what happens if I sink? What, what happens if I, don't, if, I, if I step out and I sink, I'm going to look like an idiot. And they will never, ever want me to ever lead anything again. When we started this church, that's what I felt like. I'm just going to be honest. I'll, be, I'll, I'll even be more transparent with you than that. Every Sunday, this is what I feel like. God, I hope people show up. Because I can't preach to my wife another message. 
I'm just being honest. So if you're my friend and you like me, please come. You risk your reputation. What happens if I sink? What, what are they going to think about me? What happens if I actually drown? I mean, the story they're going to tell the rest of my life. Yeah, Peter thought he could walk on water, idiot. You know? You're out there searching for the Titanic. Oh, there's Peter, you know? Yeah, I remember that story. That one didn't go over too well, you know? You risk your reputation. What else do you risk? You risk relationships. When you said yes to Jesus, you risk relationships. Are are they still going to be my friends? I mean, you know? There's somebody with me today. It's a risk, absolutely, every time. Faith is a risk. But if you want, you can just stay in your bubble. What did you do with your life? I made it to heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your bubble, you know. Is somebody with me today? Yeah, you, you, you risk some things. You risk your resources. Oh, are they going to tell me to tithe? Because I was willing to risk my reputation and my relationships, but my money, no. My Starbucks is so much more important to me than Jesus, Okay not doing it. You risk some things. But can I tell you something? The risk is worth it every single time. Here's Peter. All these things are probably flooding his mind, but he has to go. Because the risk of staying a lot of times is, is worse than the risk of going. Hmm. My old pastor used to say this all the time, I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker anytime. I can stay here. See here, ladies and gentlemen, here's the thing that's holding you back. The people in the boat are the people that are holding you back. But Jesus is saying, come. And and in the New King James, it says like this, that Peter got out of the boat to go to Jesus. Hmm. See, it's not just about stepping out and be like, I'm going to start a business and make money. Good. No, the step of faith is always this. I got to get closer to Jesus. And so starting the business is what God's telling you to do. Start the business because it'll take you closer to Jesus. Get out of the boat to go to Jesus. And so Peter, he takes the first step. And maybe, it doesn't say how many steps, but he started walking. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, that Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. I asked several people this week, I said, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Peter walking on the water? And all of them said this, he sank. You bubble people. Why is that the first thing we think? Is the negative. Because long before he sank, he walked on the water. Read the Bible. It's right there. He got out, and the Bible says he walked on the water. He walked on it. Long before the sinking, long before the Jesus saved me, Peter walked on the water. How many of you think that was a risk worth taking? One of you. Because the risk is worth it every time. Because either, A, <laughs> you'll get to where you need to be. B, you'll sink and your faith will increase in the process. Or three, Jesus will save you. All of those sound like fantastic options to me. But it starts with the first step. 
starts with the first step. <laughs> Peter's walking on the water. Think about the stories that are now told about Peter, although we sometimes go right to the, oh, he stank. Yeah, but he walked on the water. Pessimist. He walked on the water. But think about this now. I'm, do you even know the names of the other guys in the boat? It just says disciples. Who's in the boat, the other disciples? I don't know, but when I die, I don't want to be the other guys in the boat. I want to be like, oh, that Ben dude? Oh, he did. Oh, sure, he sank a couple times. Yeah, Jesus had to rescue him like 125 times, but hey. See, the reason Jesus isn't rescuing some of you is because you ain't stepping out. If you don't give him nothing to rescue, is somebody with me today? How many give me one more minute? No, just kidding. One hand went up. I got 60 seconds. Hmm. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything out of this today? Is it a risk? Absolutely. Is it one worth taking? Totally. It just takes one step. For some of you, that step today is, is, is that first step called salvation. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. What is that? That's Jesus. But what, what, what will happen? I mean, if I say yes to him, I'm risking my reputation, my relationships, and they're going to want me to die. What? Is it a risk worth taking? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Every time. Peter's walking on the water, and, and then he begins to look around and sees the wind and the waves. And what happens? Sinks. I was sinking. Sinks. But the cool thing is, is he had enough of faith to call out to one that told him to walk in the first place. And so in the middle of sinking, he's like, Jesus, save me. And Jesus, in his grace, in his mercy, and his love, because his word never returns void, does not let Peter uh, be allowed to sink, but he reaches out his hand, and he pulls him up, and he rescues him. And I don't know what kind of conversation they had on the way back to the boat, but one thing you can be assured of is that if God spoke it, you're going to obtain it one way or the other, because his word never returns void. Jesus did not let Peter drown. Because hold on a second, I told him to come. And if, if, if 2,000 years from now, people read this story, and I told Peter to come, and he drowned, ain't no one stepping out in faith anymore. <laughs> Are you with me today? That story would not have went over well. <laughs> Pulls him up. Picks him up. Why did, why, did, why did Peter begin to sink? Most people would say this. Peter began to sink because he took his eyes off Jesus and put his eyes on the circumstance. I beg to differ. Should we keep our eyes on Jesus? Yeah, the Bible says don't look to the left or the right, but keep your eyes straight in front of you. But Jesus did not look at Peter and say, Peter, why did you look at the wind and the waves? He didn't say that. He said, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? We, we try to draw inference from that and say, oh, well, you know, he looked at the one. Yes, he did see that. But I believe that, oh my God, I believe the place that God is taking 
us to is from little faith to great faith. And where little faith can't handle looking at the wind and the waves, great faith can look at the wind and the waves and say, you know what? It doesn't matter because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am the head and not the tail. He that begun a good work in me, he's faithful to complete it. Little faith couldn't look at the wind and the waves, but great faith, the faith that, that God is taking you to, can look at the circumstance, can look at the situation and not allow it to phase me because I know that if God is for me, come on somebody, who can be against me? God wants to take you from mustard seed faith to great faith. God wants to take you to a place where it doesn't matter what's coming against you. It doesn't matter what the doctor's report is about your health. We have someone sitting right here that got healed of lupus. It doesn't matter uh, what, the, what, the, what, the, what the finances say in the bank. Come on somebody. I can look at that stuff. And it doesn't faze me. It used to over here, but now I've gone from mustard seed faith to great faith. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, where God is calling Irvin in 2011, it's going to take some great faith. But listen to me. I believe that God has put you in the right place, the right time. Hallelujah. Wait and see. Two weeks from now, I want to encourage you to come back because this place is going to be filled with people that are going to catch a vision where God has taken us to in our third year of ministry. And we will obtain and we will have that which God is calling us to. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. Just do me a favor, would you? Would you just close your eyes for a minute and say, why, why do we do that? Because I don't want you to see the wind and the waves. Some of you, you can't handle that right now. Close your eyes for a minute. And, and I, I, want this, I want this message to be practical. I want it to be practical for you. Faith, it just takes one step. The first step. Some of you, in a, you're in a season of having your faith stretched. God has been speaking to you about restructuring your business. It's going to take faith. Some of you are, you are entering a season of, of relationship, marriage on the horizon. It's new. It's going to take faith. Some of you here today, God is speaking to you and asking you to take a step of faith and, and engage into a relationship with Him that you've never had before. Just say yes to Him. Is this step of faith? Absolutely. Is it one worth taking? Completely. Some of you here today, God is, God is asking you to commit yourself to being involved in ministry, an urban church. But because you've been burned and hurt at another church or in another ministry, you've been hesitant. Or maybe you just recently got right with God and you're, you're, you're kind of unsure or uneasy. It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. Step of faith. Some of you are struggling in your finances still. And as we concluded our series on the blessed life, I challenged us to become givers and tithers. And you haven't been able to push yourself to do that yet. It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. We put out our community groups three weeks ago and encourage you to sign up. For some of you, it's a step of faith. What's it going to be like? What are we going to do there? It's a step of faith. Some of you are being held back by the boat. 
by the relationships that are in your boat. Wow. Jesus, Jesus. Some of you are being held back by your own mindset. The boat and the people in the boat could represent so many different things today, but you found a comfort zone. And man, I'd rather just stay here, huddle with my friends, and if we die, we die. And you put up a wall and a barrier. The only way to get to where God is calling you to go is through faith. Taking that first step. Saying yes. I'm coming, Jesus. Jesus.